Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. A resurgent prancing horse and a couple of balls up in smoke. We've waited three long months for this, but F1 is back and in a totally different design, and it did not disappoint. This is the Everything F1 podcast, and I am James Tiller, and over the next hour and a bit, with the help of my team and a great guest, we're going to discuss the events of the weekend. Alongside me from the Everything F1 team this week, we have Jamie Coops. Cooper, hiya Coops, how are you? Hello, I'm good, how are you? I'm very good, thank you very much, thanks for asking. We've also got Cara Bostock, how are you Cara? I'm great, thank you. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since you've been, you've been here, so it's good to see your face again. Yeah, no, back with the new season, so back with a bang, hopefully. Absolutely. Uh, and we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, it's a motorsport television presenter, Alex Legui. Hello, Alex, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you very much for asking. Uh, can you tell our fans who exactly you are? And why is it we want to speak to you today, basically? I've got absolutely no idea why you want to speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you are a television presenter um, within the motorsport world. You currently uh, work with Aston Martin F1, which is one of the key reasons we, we gave you a call. Oh, look, you can see you can do it. It's done. You've done your research. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm probably, I guess, in the motorsport world, best known for hosting the World Touring Car Cup and have done so now, God, for the last eight years. Wow. And for my sins, I'm going to do it again. In fact, I think I just want to get to 10 and then that, you know, that seems about right. And then I'll then I'll re- reassess my life. Um, and yeah, and then alongside that, I, I say yes to most things. Um, and <laughs> And yeah, I did. So over the years, I've dipped in and out of Formula One in various different formats. So um, yeah, last year was lucky enough to host the live stream shows for the Aston Martin F1 team um, and was actually due to host the Paddock Club. But I just got shipped out of uh, Silverstone on the day because I got pinged by the Blimmin app. Um uh. But then, yeah, various bits and bobs um, all over the place, really. And then lots of random jobs. And then motorsport uh, or, you know, like uh, the Mindset Unfiltered podcast that I do often incorporates drivers um, looking at more of the sort of mental side, if you like, to their world and their approach to life. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, yoga and, and the rest, but that's but for a different podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's all part of you, isn't it? So it's it's good, it's good to see you've got a very busy life. Uh, I went on my kind of 
I've just did a, did a, a bit of research into into your uh, <laughs> career, and you, you do a lot of stuff. You're also a, a singer, is it? And in a band, or do you play, yeah. do you play any instruments as well? You do you do lots of things. I do. Oh. I well, I I very badly play the accordion, um, the squeak okay. box while I'm singing. It's atrocious, but it it's I get away with it because it looks cool. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, I'd like to say that. That's, uh, I, I certainly couldn't play anyway. Uh, anyway, we, we, we'll, we'll get into a bit more of your life uh, towards the end of the uh, podcast. Right. Um, first of all, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, we're also on TikTok now. We've uh, very recently uh, made an account for TikTok, so just for those little fun video clips. Um, and also, you can find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. Uh, you're also listening to us on this lovely podcast, so we would really appreciate it if you could hit the bell, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, whatever it is on your certain uh, podcast streaming service, so you get all the latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Okay, so we're doing something new for the start of this season. We're, we're just to try to ease everybody into the podcast and have a bit of fun at the start. Um, I'm asking questions. Uh, three questions are just observations from the weekends that you may or may not remember. Uh, and I'm giving points to whoever whoever gets the, the correct answer. All you need to do is shout out your name. Uh, guests <laughs> are being represented by Alex today. Uh, and then the guests, I'm, I'm looking for the guests to the win. Because basically, if I give points to everyone and, and the guests beat any one of our panellists, so Coops or Cara or any of the other guys that come on uh, at the end of the season, then I don't have to put my hand in my pocket. Um, because... <laughs> I'm a tight, tight man like that. But if, if one of our team wins, I'm going to have to put my hand in my pocket and, and get the prize uh, for the person with the most points at the end of the season. Are you going to Wait. hold up the answers, the cheat for me? <laughs> I can send you a little private message. That's Thank fine. <laughs> Just to be sure, to be, to be clear here, we didn't know this was happening. Yeah. No <laughs> so, 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 so thanks for that uh, overlord teller. That was impressive. Uh, Nice. That's it. I would like to keep you all on your toes. Get, so. my, get my excuses in early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like to caveat that this with that I have got massive baby brain, and it's way past my bedtime. It's it's all of eight thirty. So you know. Well, I'm expecting big big things do. from you, Alex. Big things. Uh, okay, it's only three questions. Very three very simple <laughs> questions, just to get you in in the mood uh, for the full podcast. Okay, question number one. Just shout your name if you know the answer. Who the first person gets to answer it. What links the six bottom full race distance finishing teams? Okay, Coops. They're all all Mercedes-powered units. They are all Mm -hmm. Mercedes-powered units. Certainly something we've got to talk about in the podcast itself. One point to Coops. Okay, question number two. What debutant scored his first ever point in Bahrain? Oh, Oh, Cara was was there first, sorry. Uh, Joe Guanyu. Joe Guanyu. Correct. That's one apiece to the uh, to the Everything F1 panelists. And the final question: Which upbeat national anthems were played on the podium? Cara. Cara, go on in. Um, was it the Monegasque anthem and the Italian? The Monegasque anthem Monog- and the it- Monegasque and the uh, Italian. Absolutely correct. So that's Thank two God points that's to Cara. Right. <laughs> I like <laughs> two points to, to Cara. I- <laughs> I, you know, I just didn't hit the buzzer quick enough. I did know the first two answers. I definitely didn't oh, yeah. know the podium song. Because <laughs> they were all singing along Ferrari, and I was like, they can't know the Monegas one. So, yeah, yeah. it must be the Italian. Yeah. I, I yeah. heard they were quite hip, but like, I wasn't paying attention to them. So. 
Yeah, they're both really upbeat, really fun uh, anthems. So you know, I'm going to look forward to the the rest of the season to uh, if we're going to hear a lot a lot more of that throughout the season. I hope you do. So you know that my partner works. He's Carlos Science's coach, right? Yeah. This was his first. Like, obviously, the podium last year was. I mean, actually, was probably for them a a more exciting celebration, if you like, because Carlos Mm -hmm. was a little low about this time, but. Um, Rupert says that, I mean, if he, if he was going to experience that in any team, then he was absolutely delighted that it was with Ferrari because they are brilliant at celebrating. They are just an awesome team for that stuff. And I love that. Like their passion is uh-huh. just brilliant. So yeah, if they have, if there's more of that this season, it'll be a really fun, really fun environment. Absolutely, yeah, it, it will be, and it, it's about time that Ferrari got back on the top. So I think there's yeah. quite a few happy faces, even the not necessarily uh, die-hard Ferrari fans. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into that then. Let's let, let's talk about the the race. Uh, we've had enough playing and having a bit of a laugh. We, we can just talk about the race itself. Were you happy to see, obviously, with, with the connection to Ferrari yourself? Were you happy to see Charles on the top step of the uh, the, the podium this weekend? I mean, I, I, dare I say, I would rather have been Carlos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, he's now officially Carlos's nemesis. But um, yes, very pleased. And having spent, I went out to Bahrain. Unfortunately, I had to fly back like on Thursday, so that was a real shame. But it did mm. mean that I got to spend some time and have a chat to quite a few of the drivers and just see how they were feeling leading up to the race. And I mean, Charles was super, I mean, they were so confident and, and self-assured, which was like very different to Lando, for example. Um, I mean, Kevin was, you know, obviously bouncing around the place. But <laughs> yeah, I think Charles and and Carlos were both very confident in in what they'd learned so far. Um, yeah, it was it was it was good. So yeah, I'm I'm really pleased. Charles drove like f- brilliantly. Like uh-huh. he was just I think brilliant from the beginning to end through the whole and thing. Car- Carlos was quite critical of himself, even though he was, you know, the second uh, driver oh, in, in the race. Uh, he's quite critical, but but, but he, on he pace he wasn't the second, was he? On pace he was the third, and and mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't, I just think he didn't get. He it was just a frustrating weekend for him, wasn't it? And um, yeah, they just he just needs to sort some things out. I think. I mean, obviously, like his worst was still on the podium, so at least that's something. Um, mm. But yeah, he definitely was very frustrated as a result. They they were deflated. The him and Rupert after weren't were more deflated than I was expecting to speak to Rupert and be like, woohoo! And then it sort of wasn't quite like that. Once oh dear, sure, yeah. Well, it's it's a shame to hear that because as I say, he, he was second, and obviously that's that's damage limitations is is pretty much the best damage limitations you can Absolutely. do, isn't it? Yeah. Coops, were you happy to see the Ferrari up there and obviously on the podium? Of course. I mean, the car looks great. And yeah. The worst thing you wanted was to see that Ferrari look brilliant and then finish 14th. You know, <laughs> uh, it's just like, I mean, I'm probably, sti- I'm probably still the oldest one on the podcast again. And I remember seeing the, po- the, the Ferraris when they were black and the dark red back in the early 90s. Uh, you know, Nigel Mansell flinging them about like he mm. did back in the day. 
And mm-hmm. then to see that being unveiled, you're just, oh, please be good, please be good. And then mm-hmm. it wins and it's a one-two. And you're like, oh, yes. Uh, because anything to distract me from looking at the McLaren, it's fine. <laughs> it works. <gasps> uh, yeah, it was a shame to see Saints come out. But then I think when Carlos Saints realises he's partnered with Leclerc and that Ferrari, he doesn't want to repeat this weekend and be that off the pace from his teammate because within three or four races of Leclerc being first, second, first, second, I mean, that far in front, he will be number two. Yeah. Because that's what Ferrari do. Yeah. So yeah. he can't, he has to be disappointed with second. If he was, he wouldn't have been disappointed if it were like 0.1 of a second behind each other and it was just that, but he was nowhere near that. He no. could not mm. get the car to go to do it and he knew that Leclerc could drive the car better than him. Uh, so that is that's, that's a worry but it's good because if he came out and went ah quite happy you know it was back in the day I, th- I can't remember which driver one of the Sauber drivers was qualifying 19th and you could see him smiling walking down the, the pit lane and you're like mate you're 19th what are you doing yeah. he finishes second and he's not happy so best yeah. way to go you know and he's a smart guy he's going to look at the data he's going to speak to his engineers he will figure it out yeah, and he will get back up there but he needs to do it soon and Rupert will be working with, with him all week this week and yeah, trying yeah. to get that mindset changed. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Carlos is really good at adjusting that mindset very quickly. He doesn't dwell at all, you know, so he would have been over it by, I don't know what day it is now, but by the next day, um, <laughs> it's fine. You know, it's like crack on and like you say, have a chat to the, the, the guys and team and just go, let's work out what we do need to do and let's get going on it. Um so yeah, I know that they're doing quite a lot this week for him mentally and physically. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're totally right, Coops, on on that number two thing. I think that's a really important, really important thing that that he doesn't want to happen. That's for sure. Well, it was just beautiful to see the the, the, the you know the prancing horses, the Scuderia Ferrari back on the top step. Anyway, yeah. you know. Uh, it's been years in the making. Um, obviously, they had that that season in 2019 where they had the. Uh, maybe dodgy fuel flow uh, and obviously they were doing well at the start of the season but then ended it quite yeah. poorly uh it's it's good to see them that it's hopefully a perfect perfectly illegal car and they've done it you know on merit and they're on the top step yeah i think it's like 2007 or something isn't it since they were an actual yeah. champion yeah 2006 yeah. i'm gonna no, no, 2000, yeah 2007 sorry yeah 2007 you're all right give me right now a long time that they uh, they need a championship. Uh, it was, oh, sorry. So it was 2019 was the last time they had a one-two finish. It's yeah. Singapore. Mm. So they're, uh, it's been well overdue. And with the resources and the history of Ferrari, it really, they really shouldn't be where they were the last few years. There, there was no real excuses for it. But one thing that I picked up on over the weekend, actually, was Ferrari have a tendency to sack people very quick. Well, you don't win the first two races, you're out. Yeah, they don't win the first three races, you're gone. But Bonotto's been allowed to stay, even when they had that year with the Vettels last year. Was it two years ago now? Yeah. Where they were fighting out. even to get into Q to get into Q3, which Ferrari mm-hmm. should never be fighting to do that. They kept him. And they 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 and when he went back to the factory and wasn't as a team principal in Ferrari, wasn't at some races, which was unheard of. But they've obviously believed in him as a Ferrari man because I think he's a Ferrari lifer. I think he came out from university, went straight to Ferrari and just stayed there. Hmm. Yeah, uh, he's got a lot, of, lot of respect from the team. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he has to. People people don't stay in Ferrari unless you've got the, the respect from the higher-ups and he's obviously been given that opportunity and this is the 
hopefully it coming to fruition and Ferrari not being because Ferrari's worst enemy for the last so many years was Ferrari. Mm-hmm. The minute yeah. things didn't work and it was as if people were too scared to be innovative because if it went wrong, you're out the door. But now, like the, that car is so bizarre with those weird side pods at the top, yeah. which meant that Ted Kravitz had to bring out a baby bell. I mean, for goodness sake. Uh, <laughs> and it's just to bring out a bit of cheese. Look, this is how it works. Uh, but they've been allowed, they've been given the freedom and it's paying off and it's not a flash in the pan. They, it was every single lap they laid. It's, yeah. You know, I, I heard a rumour today as well. Uh, again, you always hear these rumours, you see them uh, all over the place. Um, but apparently the Ferrari is only running at 95% at the moment. Oof. So, Ooh. Ooh. what's that source? If, if, if there were, you, you know, I, I can't, I can't reveal my sources. Some random dude on Facebook, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, certainly interesting to hear that sort of kind of, you know, sort of rumors circling around. Uh, well, there, was, but, there was no need to go to a hundred percent. It wasn't as if they were getting challenged really if you yeah. think about it over the course of the weekend so no need to do that uh, they'll do it when they have to which is a worry for mercedes and some other teams but uh Cara, let's talk about red bull now they looked really competitive all weekend didn't they um and they, they, were, they were performing great uh, max verstappen was second um and pretty much controlling everything behind him keeping everything behind him i just couldn't necessarily get past charles leclerc for very long um but then disaster struck later on in the, in the race. What, what did you make of uh, Max Verstappen's and Red Bull's race? I thought it was really interesting because I think it's a separate issue kind of, but Max's attitude, I think a lot of the fans picked up on it. The whole, I'm never ever doing it again moment um, while he was coming out. And that's before there were any engine problems. Um, that was just him, you know, being told to take it slow on the, his outlaps and him believing that, you know, he could have overtaken Charles, but I think they sort of later realized he, he actually couldn't have either way. And I thought about, Oh, you know, is this championship gone to his head? Is he going to be a bit too big for his boots now? Because that was the turning point for him back in the day that his ego mm. changed and he was able to learn from his mistakes. And that's sort of what's got him to here. So to almost be one of those champions like Lewis that stays up there for a while, you need to keep having that growth mentality and that you learn from those mistakes mistakes and communicating well with your team I was like I wouldn't want to be shouted at like that on the radio but you know he's he's got a nice long contract now so I suppose he can maybe give a bit more back um and then it was all drama wasn't it because they he was you know as ever giving a very aggressive consistent race I thought that fighting with Charles I think it, oh, I can't remember it was fairly early on in the race you know where he overtook Charles and then Charles overtook him on the next corner mm-hmm. and you're like we've got what we want. We've got that close racing and this is so exciting. And then one Red Bull went and then the next Red Bull went and it was like, oh, what's happened here? Obviously, amazing day for Ferrari. I should add my partner wore his red pants for the race and he was like, I've done this. <laughs> I've, uh, of course, uh, of course. I, was like, I don't think that's Power how it pants. works. Power to the yeah. pants. Exactly. And, you know, I don't think he's a big fan of Red Bull either, but, it's a difficult one. I'm sure, well, I, they'll come back in Cheddar and, you know, fix these problems. I was going to say, do we know what the root of the problems are yet? Yeah, the, 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 well, we don't, they're doing a full investigation. The initial thoughts was it was the 
um, pump, prescribed it? fuel pump um, that, that that actually is prescribed to each team um, and made separately um, by a, an Italian company. I was just going to say, you know, whether they get it fixed or not, I'm, I'm sure Max will use this because he's that sort of character as motivation for the next race. And he'll sort mm. of come out even more, as I say, motivated. Um, but it was pretty brutal, wasn't it? To see Christian yes. Horner after, you know, go from that collection hall and then it's like nilpois. Mm. And they are officially the bottom of the table because they had two DNFs compared to uh, everyone else's, you know, maybe one DNF or low points. That's the Uh, thing. It's the loss of it's the loss of those points, isn't it? That's like, I mean, what a way to start. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're you're kind of you're trying to take the championship win uh, and and use it as a, a positive, and it's yeah, completely yeah, yeah. For, for first race in, and it's disaster. Mm. Uh, not not a great way to start your campaign. Um, no. The usually unflappable Max Verstappen was quite irate on the radio. Where did you did you hear that? All, all those radio calls, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean. I don't know. I sort of get it. It's fighting for the championship. I, I get that, like the passion and, and, you know, I imagine his mentality over the winter and, you know, leading up to this first race, the pressures and everything. I, I don't know. I'm gutted for them. You know, technically they were on pace for most of the race, you know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I sort of get it. Yeah, yeah. In the heat of the moment, the, these sorts of things, yeah, emotions are uh, running high, aren't they? Yeah. I, I I guess it's how he is after, maybe. You know, I think yeah. that could be, um, I don't know. I think I get it when, you know, the car, things were going wrong for him and it's completely out of his control there. You know, the steering's going, the power's going. And I understand, you know, in those moments of frustration. But I suppose for me, it was just a little, I'm never, ever doing this again. Yeah, he, he actually could. They they showed he couldn't have overtaken Charles. It was just that bit where I was like, okay, let's get back to the mature mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you need to get him on. It'd be really interesting to find yeah. <laughs> out what was going through your head in that moment, yeah. oh. and uh, and and what sort of child, you know, what was going on in that child yeah. brain there and then, you know, like whether he afterwards can reflect on it and go, yes, mm. it sounded like a complete tool. Um, or whether he afterwards is able to to is is still like well no I'm I'm blah 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 you know is, if yeah. he's still in petulant mind I don't know so I think once he's seen the once the team are able to sit him down and say look see there's outlaps you couldn't have caught him and then they went oh okay yeah I, I think yeah. the thing is drivers are very narrow minded in terms of he's there yeah like you yeah. told me not to push he's there kind of thing and they're like well actually you did and the other thing as well is. If we saw, if we remember with Hamilton when he came out, the pits was on the hard tyre. And with the fact that they're now only 70 degrees when they come onto the track, he, nearly, he, he slid off and then couldn't mm. put the power down. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it's not hitting the track running, which is great for us because you're like a lap of them going, oh, we could crash. Uh, this could be interesting. <laughs> uh, just sliding about the place. but Like Bambi on ice a little bit. It was, but then, mm. I mean... I mean, Red Bull have got a lot of things they need to worry about because, I mean, it was 2020 was the last time that Verstappen retired from a, a failure of the car. Last year, he didn't. He either was first, second, or got yeah. hit and crashed out. Yeah. So, 
they've done that now, but the problem is they had a problem with the steering, they had a problem with the fuel or the engine, and there was a brake issue. So mm-hmm. there's not just one thing. Mm. Uh, from what we've heard, it's not the fuel pump. They've said that was the initial thing, that it was a fuel pump yeah. issue, but they're Component now saying it's not. It? It's, mm. Which is good that it's not the fuel pump, because if it is, then the conspiracy theorists around Formula One, which we know there's a certain amount of fans that have a stockpile of tinfoil, uh, <laughs> that would probably be coming out and saying that it was all a Formula One thing because you don't want Red Bull to run away with it. It's not that. It's just the complex nature of Formula One. These things happen. Mm. Uh, and it'll be interesting as Max Verstappen is a reigning champion and he's never been a reigning champion. He's now got the target yeah. on his back. Now, Lewis yeah. Hamilton's done that seven times now. Yeah. And he's won seven, so he's had that target, and this is why he is the best Formula One driver. You can at me if you like, I don't care. Anybody <laughs> that wants to argue with me, he's been able to do it consistently since he came into Formula One. That's the that's what marks him different. So it'll be interesting to see if Max can rein that in because the attitude of yeah. him over the radio is that that's somebody under pressure that yeah, doesn't need I to agree. be under pressure. Yeah. It's new territory. I yeah, I agree. Coming from my my I said the psychiatrist angle, mm. this is new territory. Like he probably hasn't ever well, he hasn't ever been in those shoes before. So this is new for him. And 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 he's young, you know, he's really young. This is a huge high pressure thing. And I think that you know, I think It'll just be interesting to see how he copes over the next few races while he's trying to claw up and whether this, whether he can can, can contain that chimp, I guess, yeah. and what he can do with it and whether he can turn it into a, a more positive thing and not let it destroy him because it will destroy his races if he can't control it. He, need, he, needs to, he needs to make sure that he doesn't, because what I did notice with the battle with Leclerc was he saw, he saw an opportunity and he went. Mm. He's not. He wasn't measured. It was no. There, it's there. I'm going. That's mm. the old Max. When the yes. old Max did that, he hit the side of the car and ended up in the, you know, in the gravel. Mm. He has to be more like Hamilton. Hamilton was very prost, professor like. He's like, right, no, I'll sit back. Mm-hmm. I know when to move forward. Or he knew when the race was lost and knew when mm-hmm. to settle for a point. Or you know, there's 22 more races to go. Mm. You know, there's three races in four weeks. So if he comes out next weekend. Uh, in Jeddah, which is a track that if you make a mistake, you're losing a wheel. Mm. You know, this is that he really needs to sort himself out because he can disappear into Max Verstappen's head and we don't want yeah. that because he will not be fighting for the championship if he does that. No, the wheels will literally fall off. Oh yeah, <laughs> and so will half the grid when he starts banging into the side of them because he'll get too angry. He needs to, be, you know, it was a bad day at the office do what Carlos Sainz has probably already done, wrote it off, moved on, yeah, and just not, just be chill. Mm. You know, you've got the car, you've got the people, take your time, you'll be fine. But it's Max supposed to happen. We all know what happens with Max. I, I, I think he'll be back stronger this week. Um, let's anyway, let's, let's move on to the Mercedes team. Um, now, pre-season, we had this extreme design uh, of the car with they call it the the zero pods as they were, as they were called um, you know completely different to every other team and very slim and slender uh, but it, it didn't perform very well at all uh, this weekend um, Alex were you surprised to see the poor performance of the Mercedes team yes utterly don't think we've mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely abysmal before the safety car he was what 
30 seconds off the pace or something yeah, like 30 or 40 seconds yeah unbelievable like yeah it's really worrying i mean considering the standards over the years it's not where they should be and mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i mean lewis really sounds like he, he knows that as well like, it's just it's incredible it's it's really worrying um, makes it more interesting for us, I have to say, but it is really worrying. It is. Uh, we were expecting, obviously, three teams to be at the top there fighting, but it looks like it is just the Red Bulls and the yeah. Ferraris at the moment, and it probably will be for a few races yeah. uh, until they probably get into to Europe where they can start adding more parts, obviously, from their factory uh, a bit more. Yeah. Is Are they frozen? Is it... Is it is uh, the, no, it's, is it speed? Or there's, there's, it's, there's two sets that freeze there's the engine freezes at a point of this like July and then I think it's September. There's a mm. couple of points that certain things freeze. So they are allowed I think it's one spec upgrade for certain components. And yeah, it's staggered yeah. over the year. Uh but it's the porpoising. They can't soften yeah. it. Which means yeah. they have to lift the car up, which means the aero doesn't work the way it should. And that's not a quick fix because they can't figure out. It's I think Toto said it's not it's not a philosophy thing, it's a physics thing. Mm. And you can't replicate purpose in, in the, the wind tunnel because the minute you put it low enough down to replicate it, it the model ends up into the fan. <laughs> you know, you can't go mm. too low or you ruin mm. the belt. So, But Red Bull and Ferrari have figured it out. So surely the brains at Mercedes <sighs> between yeah. them, you'd think, obviously, maybe not straight away, they'd, they'd get there and hopefully we'd have more of a fight for the top three on our hands. I think, yeah. I, I think the thing is with porpoising is it's easy fix, but the problem is the easy fix then compromises the aero. Yeah, so with the rod it, thing. Yeah, to try and fix it in such a way where it doesn't reduce so much performance with the aero because they're so aero-sensitive now, mm. that, that's the problem. That's the balancing issue. But mm. they were, I mean, and also, is there a fundamental issue with the power unit when the fact that mm. most yeah. every other Aston Martin was down the bottom but then red bull which is not a honda because we're not like to call it a honda but it is a honda <laughs> they had three dns with their power unit and one of them was a, it's either an mguh or an mguk failure which you shouldn't have in the first race of the season not not in this generation of formula one because no. you only have two or three so uh there's some things going on but anyway back to mercedes there's something just not clicking i feel really crowd. gutted for george as well yeah. Yes. He's yeah, been obviously in a, a lower level team for such a long time, waiting for his big shot, and then you know the, yeah. the team that he joined is not what it was. Exactly. The, the, his best finish was fourth, and he was so disappointed. <laughs> That's his best finish <laughs> in his career. His fourth or equal best, maybe. And he was he, they just were not happy campers. Maybe he yeah. has missed the boat. You know, maybe he should have signed the contract with Ferrari. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I think I think they'll be happy with the luck that they got with the Red yeah. Bulls, uh, obviously uh, losing engine power, um, and, and they they weren't worthy of uh, third and fourth um, no. by a lo- by a long shot. Um, so they'll they'll count their lucky stars. Uh, when is that. it? When when have we ever seen a situation where Hamilton locks into something? 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it happens quite a lot. You know. <laughs> One minute he's down the back of the grid and his teammate crashes oh. into somebody and oh, when he goes, he's up and first. Like, what the heck did that happen? <laughs> you know, what, they couldn't put his wheel on quick enough? Oh, what? <laughs> he manifests he's busy doing, it. He manifests it. But, yeah. And he busy, he's got another phone in this car and he's busy like doing deals, I think, while he's <laughs> lapping. His talent. His talent. <laughs> it's just... Every time something went wrong, when Hamilton has something and then you think, oh, he's going to be 15th, then something else happens and puts yeah, him second. I agree. Did, who did what? No. Did that what? He certainly signed, signed a contract with uh, with somebody, hasn't he? Uh, well, he's a very spiritual man. So maybe there's something to do with that. Maybe I need to read the book that he reads or something and, you know, get no, some I- luck. I don't know. I wanted to say how I was in particular very happy that Mercedes got third and fourth. I was at an event on Saturday and there was a gentleman there and he was talking not very nicely about Mercedes and, and Lewis <laughs> Hamilton. And, um, you know, I, I love an F1 chat. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but he was just, you know, writing them off that Hamilton was horrible and he hated all his publicity stunts. And I was like, oh, I don't think Black Lives Matter is a publicity stunt. Anyway. Um, <laughs> pretty, big, pretty big one if it was. Um, and then um, when I saw he was obviously a big Red Bull fan and then when oh. I saw both cars DNF I was like oh this is for that man at the party I'm just going to do a little <laughs> yes go on Mercedes oh, you just so wish you could have FaceTimed him at that particular moment I was like Hamilton's on the podium like yes so you know it's bit, the small joys for him. yeah certainly well let's mm-hmm. talk about someone that we didn't think we would see uh, where we would where, where they did end up and that's the Haas team, and in particular, somebody who wasn't even in the, in the seat, uh, you know, give it, give it a week ago, uh, Kevin Magnussen. Alex, were you happy to see uh, Kevin Magnussen back in the, uh, on the grid? I'm so happy. I love him. Um, again, like those few days before, our babies were hanging out because they're literally twins. Um, wow. So I really got to have a nice chat to him and find out how he was feeling like, a, um, you know, that whole process and the speed of it and, and what his brain was doing. He was, he was so happy and so excited to be back in. Um, uh, yeah, I, it was just brilliant. And yeah, given that he's not driven an F1 car in over a year, I think he smashed it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Smashed qualifying, brilliant race, a few lockups, but that's, you know, that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. First race back after a year off. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant result for him. Uh, he commented that he didn't realise how much he missed F1 uh, until, yeah. he got the call, until he got the call and said, uh, and, and was offered the, the seat. It was like, well, actually, yeah, you know what? I really do miss F1. Yeah, um, yeah. They he, they were saying, him and his missus were saying about how they feel, you know, it's been six years or whatever, you know, that it's like their life. It's what they know and where they feel most comfortable. So mm. they're back and they instantly feel more comfortable, more like they're part of a family here than in any other paddock. So, yeah, it's been great for the whole family. Do you Absolutely. think this, the speed at which he came back helped because it was sort of he didn't have time to worry to about over, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, to overthink anything or worry about not having, you know, not not knowing, what, you know, the car or anything like that. Yeah, I think he just had to get on with it. Yeah. And the Probably bonus not. is it's actually a decent car as well. Yeah. It's yeah. up there car and, and, and yeah. both passes, you know, Mick Schumacher was, he did ever so well in, in various points throughout the uh, through the throughout the weekend. Obviously didn't end, end up in the points, but he was... Uh, 
he he, he was comp- competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has, you have to go that that must have been inspired for going to uh, Mr. Steiner to think, what, what can we do? How can we get in? And everyone's talking about Giovinazzi. They're talking about, I can't remember who else was mentioned in, in the next thing. Kevin Magnuson signed for Haas and everyone went, excuse me, sorry, what? <laughs> it was not <laughs> expected. Yeah, I mean, we had Sam Bird in the podcast and he was pretty much saying that we won't see Giovinazzi back in a Formula E car. He was, from what yeah. he heard within Formula E, yeah. it looked as if Giovinazzi had got the call. And then, I mean, we put out vote reacts. We didn't even have Kevin Magnussen on it. No, he was never on our radar. And, I, and to be honest, I think his face is hurting because see, even before he got the Grand Prix, that smile just didn't leave his face, did it? He's just yeah. like, look, I'm here. Like, uh, yeah. And... No. and the fact that he had he had two or three other contracts lined up because I think he'd said he said look this is my second chance at Formula One it's oh, gone yeah. he's lined up I think it was Peugeot for next year's yeah. twenty four hours in Le Mans he'd lined up some other stuff and every single one of them without an issue went no no you're fine we'll just get you out the contract mm-hmm. on you go no, I mean either, we're not happy <laughs> but they're not oh, were they not <laughs> oh dear publicly they're like it's okay but they're like oh, yeah That's, it's that I think it's that one of it's Formula One. Yeah. Like, it's, what are you going to do? Like, yeah, exactly. Has and, to. And it, you had to let him go. Pure, like, he's not going to go back and chat the door in a couple of years if things don't work out. But, you know, and it's a multi-year deal. Which, yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, and, it's uh, worth upsetting a few people, you know, if that's the case for a, for a three-year jobby. So. Three years, three years is it? Ooh. Oh, and gosh. probably a lot more money than he'll get in any other series. <laughs> let's, be, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. Formula One is obviously a different different tier. Yeah. Um, but it's great great to see that's like, that's like a, a, a kind of storybook kind of uh, first race for, for Haas and, of course, Kevin Magnussen. One thing yeah. I will mention before we move on is Mick Schumacher really is now up against it because, you know, he's the, it's Mick Schumacher. It's the Schumacher name. He's now not got Nikita Mazepin against him. I mean... Yeah, that's true. He's got... And he finished 11th, but his teammate who hasn't driven a car for 18 months finished 5th. Yeah. And he's been there. I mean, Magnussen yeah. had nothing to do with that car, and he got 5th. I mean, mm. Schumacher needs to beat Magnussen to be considered a top-tier driver gosh. this yeah. year. He's got to, not a flash pan suddenly just... He has to consistently beat him, yeah. or we're not going to see him up in the Ferrari where he wants to be. No. It could, this could be a fairy tale for Kevin Magnussen and a yeah. nightmare for Mick Schumacher. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that plays out, and he needs to be a lot closer. The Bahrain race is a bit different because he got spun around by Ocon, which apparently lost a lot of downforce throughout the race, so couldn't really do much. Yeah, But he was consistently beaten by Magnussen the whole weekend before the race. So... Uh, I don't think Sean will like it, which is somebody else in the team who really likes Mick Schumacher. I think he really needs to. He gets quite defensive if you say anything negative about my about Mick. So, but I think he, uh, Mick really needs to mm. start showing something consistently, uh, yeah. or we could have issues. Yeah, that's the thing about Formula One. Sort of what Alex was saying about Carlos. You're we're so happy for Ferrari and for Charles, but Carlos is like that's you know the person he has to beat. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's the same for Mick. We're this this fairy tale for Haas, but Mick's probably in the back of his mind, like, oh, I've mm. got to, you know, mm. step it up now. So there's all the bigger picture for the team, and then the mm. individual drivers. It's never, never simple. So mm. I suppose it's what makes it so interesting as well. 
yeah, navigating that one, two in the car, you know, how much the team does or doesn't put pressure on that. My God, that put, put, puts pressures on the drivers, doesn't it? You know, and I think it's more apparent even than we from outside know. Mm. Um, hopefully, hopefully Mick can learn from Kevin. Obviously, he, he was g- going in at the same level as uh, Nikita Mazepin last year. Um, they were both level, so really they couldn't really bounce off each other. They couldn't learn anything from each other, really, because they were both in the same position. Whereas Kevin's obviously been a, a, an established driver within Formula One for, like you say, mm. six years or, or however long it was uh, mm. before his break. He's got that experience. Hopefully that can help Mick develop. I'm sure that's that's why Gunter brought uh, Kevin back in, you know, mm. to, to kind of give the rookie a bit of a hand. Do you think mm. you see the Haas on the podium? I hope so. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Mm. Mm. That and an Alpha. I think there's a chance for both of them to get in the podium. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let, let's talk about the Alpha team then, because uh, Valtteri Bottas has left what we thought was the, the one, well, the best team on the grid or one of the best teams on the grid uh, to go to what we thought would be a backmarker team. And Alpha have, again, hit it out of the park. Now, whether this is to do with the uh, Ferrari engine and, and the, it's the fact that the engine's the, the you know, the, the silver bullet, it, we, we, we get to see, but it seems that it's very competitive. If he hadn't had such a bad start, he could definitely have been challenging the top runners for sure. Valtteri, that is, of course. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, great pace. Um, if they can sort out their reliability issues, then... Yeah, I think they've got every chance for a podium. And Joe Guan Yu, obviously scoring his first yeah. point in, in on his debut. That's that's, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a big headline as well. Yeah, that is mega. Rookie season, first race out in the points, like bish bash bosh. And he, he was very emotional. He was very emotional yeah. at the end of the race um, because obviously he's had lots of questions flung his way over. He's a paid driver. Did he deserve his seat? Blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and I think all that kind of, came tumbling out of him at the end of the at the end of the race and you saw him kind of hugging everyone and crying and yeah it was very emotional for him which is nice to see that he cares that much about it and obviously he, he backed it up backed up his uh, talent uh, yeah. rather than just from, the money from what I've heard reading up about the race and stuff he seems to be just a very down-to-earth modest guy mm-hmm. you know and he's got a talent I'm a bit tempered because I said this last bar, the last Bahrain Grand Prix when Yuki Tsunoda got in the points and then look what happened for most of the rest of the season. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, I still like Tsunoda and, you know, this weekend he, he just, he was, I, I think when I done the notes, you didn't really see him. He just dependable, uh, got on with it, finished in eighth place, boom, done, yeah. you know, to steal Alex's thing, bish, bash, bosh, there you go. Then he crashed, didn't spin, got on with it, you know. Yeah. That's, that's what you needed and, we need more of that from Sonoda, but yeah, it's this uh, Joe Joe Granu's the sixty sixth person to get a point in Formula One on his debut. So the only so it's a very it's a very uh, exclusive club exclusive club. Yeah, yeah. and it and was by a, default though. We have to remember that as well. Yes, oh, you, take it yeah. away from him. Oh. <laughs> there was a bit of luck involved. Absolutely, there was and a bit of luck you can involved. tell that Alex is a glass half empty person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, but uh, yeah, what he did look into it. But you know what? He was there to pick it up. So you've yeah. got he, he was in. He was in there. Some people would have hoped that Mick was in front of the Alpha so that he would have got his point, and everyone would have went on about you know Mick Schumacher and the Schumacher name getting a point. But you know what? He wasn't there. So yeah. it, the Alpha is a very nice car, and with that for the Ferrari power unit, uh, they've 
whatever they've done with the aero and the philosophy, the philosophy they've went with. Porpoising doesn't ever seem. I don't remember anyone really talking about Alpha and Porpoising with them. Mm. Same with McLaren, but McLaren's issues aren't to do with Porpoising. But I want to speak about McLaren because our fans know that we are not so secret McLaren fans on the podcast, um, and unfortunately. It looks like they've traded places with Haas this year. Um, Orange the is the new Haas. Orange is the new Haas. Is that, yeah, yeah I, was, I saw that actually floating around. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I liked it. <laughs> well. <laughs> well yeah. I didn't, yeah, we don't like it, but we didn't like, like to say it. Didn't like it. Cara, how disappointed are you in, in Lando Norris and, and Daniel Ricciardo and the team? I'm just, you know, where do they go from here? It was so much excitement. George Russell said it, you know, we've got to watch out for as a red car and an orange car looking very fast out there. And I think Mm -hmm. McLaren are one of those teams that draw in so many fans because of the history, but also Daniel and Lando are such likable drivers and you just want them to do well. And they just do seem like really decent people that, deserve it and you saw the pictures of Daniel and that after the race and you know you listen to them in the interviews and they're probably thinking to themselves is this what it's going to be like for the rest of the year you know so much excitement about this change in regulations and probably hope in Barcelona testing you know I'm going to be winning podiums maybe even fighting for a championship and then it all comes crashing down so I think as McLaren fans you've got to have hope and be like okay it's not going to be fixed by next week but hopefully there's some people back back at the factory who are squirreling away frantically a big, big long to-do list to sort out the problems with this car. And we can see them at least competitive in the midfield because that's the, the the sad thing. They're not even in the midfield at this um, point. They can't even be best of the rest, can they? Yeah. Poor Daniel, like he had COVID, stuck inside all week, <sighs> then came out for a terrible qualifying and a rubbish race like i uh, felt so sorry for him and apparently covid really did hit ricardo quite hard from what I yeah yeah really- like he he wasn't doing we saw michael his trainer like out doing bits and bobs but dan wasn't doing anything he wasn't out he wasn't even out of the room he was like flat flat no mm. wow so it must take a good wee while especially in that with the high g forces mm. and stuff with these cars and the yeah. rattling about it's not going to help uh Although the McLaren is one of the steadier cars on the they, they did, they just lo- they locked into it with the design for sort of philosophy that they didn't have it. But the problem that McLaren have it's the brakes. Now they miscalculated the amount of cooling they did for the front brakes. So mm. the temporary fix that they've done means that it destroys the aero at the front of the car. So they have no front aero really. I mean they do have it, but they don't. If you know what I mean. So they mm. don't That's where it's have the, So they don't have the grip and the medium to slow corners. Now Bahrain is medium to slow corners. So, mm. and I think the worst part for me was in qualifying when they came over the radio to Ricardo when you get 18th and it was just, okay. There was no, ah, damn. It was yeah. just, all right, like at least to beat somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just so heartbreaking. And with, with Ricardo's season being so poor last year, he's, yeah. he's on a bubble. I mean, there's so many talented youngsters out there. Oscar Piastri for one. If yeah. he does mm. not get something this year yeah, yeah. and the money he's getting paid at McLaren, I mean, Ricardo or not Ricardo, likeable or not, the door's there and he'll go. And they'll and it's ruthless, it's that ruthless. I mean, he needs to show he's at that point. But if it doesn't happen, 
it'll be he'll be another what if guy in Formula One. Thank goodness, like almost for his benefit that Lando was that they were right beside each other, you know, because yeah. like in the past we've obviously seen him struggling and Lando, mm-hmm. you know, pushing yeah. podiums and stuff, and and really seeing Daniel struggle. Where at least at least they were neck and neck this time. So you know it's the car, you know, rather yeah. than yeah. driver error. And, and Lando signed that really long contract, and and he might be kicking himself now, uh, looking at the performance of that car. Uh, I don't think I think Lando and McLaren are just like Schumacher and Ferrari, Michael Schumacher and Ferrari. I think you know if there's one person that credits McLaren life, it's Lando Norris. Yeah, because uh, it just the personalities both match. Whether that will change if he sits in the dog and does the Honda Years Part Two, that might change. But you know, as McLaren fans, we all supported McLaren through the Honda Years, so we've been here. <laughs> we've we've seen this. <laughs> uh, maybe not. I mean, every year for the time they had Honda, we knew the dog, the car was a dog. So this mm. year it was kind of like the car's great. Oh wait a minute, why is it 18th? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Okay, and then of course Aston Martin down there as well. That's that's just that's another soul destroying situation. Oh, it's, they will be gutted about that. They will such be a beautiful looking it. car. Yeah. Mm. It's, well, I'm going to go around each of you now, rather than go around every single team and every single driver. Uh, I want you to pick one person that we haven't spoken about that you would like to speak about. Be that for a positive reason, be that for a negative reason, and we'll start with Alex, as you are our guest. And anyone that we haven't spoken about that you'd like to mention? Things we've touched on Aston, one thing that they will be very pleased about is Lance going from P19 to P12. That will be a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a positive move. A yeah, positive. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've you spoken, you spoken in depth with uh, Stroll? Obviously, I but... have over the time, but not leading up to Bahrain. No. Right, okay. Um, he's great, actually. Like... Before I worked more closely with the team, I would say mm-hmm. from a perspe- from a presenter's perspective, I always found him quite monosyllabic and quite tough to interview. Mm-hmm. And then being more involved, I guess, with them, I had no idea. He's actually uh, he's, he's brilliant. He's got loads of personality. It just doesn't always translate, I don't think. <laughs> Some people can't always be, you know, they, they yeah. have, have every facet. You know, look at Kimi Raikkonen. He absolutely hated being in, in, on the camera. Yeah. Um, but he had this I great person. You knew, you knew he had this great personality because everyone yeah. used to talk about how great yeah, he was. Yeah. You just never yeah. got to see, you know, in interviews. Yeah. So, yeah, Lance is my... Okay, Coops, your, num- your other person to speak about, be it positive well, or negative... The other team, the other team probably I haven't touched on is Alpine, and probably for the reason that I'm going to talk about is why we haven't spoke about them because they they drove a very Alpine race in a race that they probably shouldn't have drawn. Like if like you've got the Mercedes aren't where they're supposed to be, you've got the Red Bulls that retired, you've got an AlphaTauri that retired, you've got Astons that aren't doing very well, you've McLaren doing not doing very well, and the Alpine still finished where you expect them to finish if everyone else is play, doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're just a very, it's, it's strange. There's still rumours about issues with behind the scenes about how it's been run. There's, you know, Rossi's not happy. Snafner, eh, all my Snafner has been brought in, but there's still issues there. They brought in Bravio. God knows what he's doing in Alpine. Everyone thought mm. he'd be the, the team principal and he's not a team principal, but he's still there. It, and then, of course, Ocon, he then tripped over Mick Schumacher at the start of the race, eh, 
which shows you how how strong those front wheels are, front wings mm. are, because there was no bits of bodywork flying everywhere. That's uh, good. But yeah, in a race weekend where you would hope Alpine would have got maybe fourth, fifth, maybe sneaked into the podium, they just stayed around ninth and tenth, eight, just just hung about and just didn't really do anything. I, st- I think, and I'll put this on record, my prediction: this is Alonso's last year, regardless where Alpine go. I think Alonso's yeah. done. It needs yeah, to be. I agree. It and needs I think, to be. I, in my I personal opinion, go I agree. Over. He's taking up space, yeah. and there's yeah. plenty of youngsters that are worthy of that spot. I think. Sorry, not that not that he's not a great driver. We know he's a great no, driver. No, he's very, very skilled. He, he, there just needs to be that kind of motivation and and go and use that skill in in other disciplines. Go and enjoy enjoy pushing different disciplines. I think. I mean, he's good at anything he drives. If it's yeah. got an engine and a steering wheel, he's driving that car. Yeah, I mean, he's done well at Dakar, IndyCar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not, as far as I understand, I don't know much about his personal life, but he doesn't have family or a child, a child or children or anything like that. He can just go and drive. The launch, yeah. look, look, look at what it did to IndyCar. He can put his name to anything and folk will be like, oh, yeah. you're driving tractors. Let's check this out. What we what <laughs> yeah, watching? Yeah. Right, okay. Yep. You're my race. You know, yeah. go, and, go and do something else. But yeah, it's. Uh, I think it has to be. And regardless of what Alpine do, you've got Gasly sitting there that needs to do something, maybe... Alpine or a sideways move for Alpha Tauri, but he's not going anywhere in a Red Bull car. Yeah. I mean, this is it. So go to Alpine, go to a works car and see how it works. Go and, you mm. know, partner another French person in a French team. You never know. But, you know, and then you've got Oscar, you've got Oscar Piastri now. I don't know about you guys, but I would have loved to have seen him in a Grand Prix this year. This year. I mean, yeah, that, that guy needs to be racing somewhere, but. It'll be in it'll be in a Friday for free practice. We'll get to see how how he handles yeah. a, a, a an F one car at some point this year. Kara, uh, who are you going to pick then? Who do you want to speak about? Uh, I'll keep it really quick and just talk a little bit more about Gasly. I think the sad thing is I forgot about Alpine. I was like, oh, what teams have we not mentioned? But I think that's sort of as Coops mm. has said, sums up their race this weekend. Mm. Um, Gasly was on fire, literally. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. He he was really, was it um, pra- free practice? He was like top. He was putting in these incredible lap times, but then couldn't quite get there in qualifying. And I think he's just always one of those talents. You're like, I'm sure he'll be on the podium at least once throughout this season. Um, he's such a talent. And it's again, seeing if Sonoda can keep up with that this year. Mm-hmm. It was his rookie season last year. And we've sort of seen this fiery personality, but you know there's lovable in it and now as he moved to Italy we've seen him drive to survive and that's solved all the problems um he's in Milton Keynes and no one wants to live in Milton Keynes no. as well um, which is a fair point um but yeah I think seeing how those two level up because they're both fiery personalities really and they're both these keen races so seeing where um those two end up this season will be interesting, hopefully near the top of the midfield. With less reliability issues, please. I was quite I was quite disappointed now, if I'll tell you this race, actually. Oh, I expected yeah. them to be closer to the top because yeah. they, they've got a good car, they've got a good package, and they were largely anonymous. I, I kept forgetting about them until I saw the car on fire. Oh, look, still on the race. <laughs> and then I, came, I had to check a couple of times where Sonoda was because it was largely not in a good way for him. But mm. I just expected more from that car but then again maybe it's just one of those weekends but just the pieces didn't quite fall yeah. together they've got Every- the, they've got everything there they've got the ingredients but 
I think with it being the first race, everyone the next couple of weeks will step it up and they'll sort out these teething issues and hopefully we'll see it closer in the midfield and McLaren and people not quite as far down. Yeah, it was a bit of an, an extended test for quite yeah. a few people, wasn't it? Yeah. And Bahrain is a brutal track to start the season <laughs> in, isn't yes. it? My God. Especially on the tyres. Flipping Nora, yeah. And I just want to mention uh, Alexander Albon. Obviously, he's popped back yeah. uh, now uh, driving for Williams and he outperformed his uh, teammate. So that's a good, good thing for him, although it's still only 13th and uh, 15th respectively. So the car isn't... It isn't where it sh- where it needs to be, um, but hopefully they're on a a, a forward proje- uh, trajectory. No, well, no, because we don't want them to be forward, because then that means McLaren will have to be behind. Somebody <laughs> has to be last. We don't want them yeah. to be McLaren. Come on, just them back. Yeah, Williams have been down Bring there McLaren for a while. They know. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Okay, well, that's kind of our summary of the race. It was an exciting race. It was great to see F1 back. Uh, Really good to see that actually this new design philosophy meant that cars could really follow each other. And that was the key, really. Um, They were were driving, you know, barely affected by any of the aero wake uh, from the cars in front of them. And And that's exactly what this whole design philosophy was about. So really pleased to see that. We're going to see lots of photos taken. Before you jump on, one thing I will mention was DRS wasn't quite as effective, which I think is partly due to the new regulations that they're able to be a bit closer, which is a good thing because the regulations are doing their job because a Mm. lot of the times with DRS it opened, it got them closer, but it didn't help them pass. Normally you hit DRS on that straight and halfway down the straight, you're straight past them. Mm. But they were getting, Mm. it was, it was, it tapered it and cut it a wee bit, which is good. Mm. It's not as artificial, which means that hopefully maybe Formula One are looking at it and thinking, oh, we could maybe do something with this DRS over the year, maybe change the the, the distance that you, that's activated and then maybe get rid of it sooner rather than later. But Yeah, let's just it, get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> not straight away. They can't do that straight away yet. You know, barring, I think the biggest test for these regulations is Australia because Australia, you can't pass. And with this, mm. the new layout, and with the new regulations, I mean, I think there was one year in Australia where you had one on-track pass the whole race, like, really. Uh, yeah. So, you know, next Saudi is just a law unto itself because that track is just odd. Uh, so we take that one out of the equation. We go to Australia and we see some decent close racing, some pass, some passing on the track, then you could pretty much say they've got it right. I think that's the way I would look at it, to be honest. Well, that's a, a good segue into looking at the next race in Saudi Arabia anyway. Uh, the stats for the circuit itself, it's uh, 6.174 kilometres long. We're going to have 50 laps, so the total race distance is 308.45 kilometres. Uh, the last and first race was last year in 2021, where Lewis Hamilton was the winner, um, with second for Verstappen and third for Bottas. Now, I just want... I want you to make predictions uh, for the weekend. What do you expect to, who do you expect to win? Who do you expect uh, to come second? Who do you expect to see third? We'll just do first, second and third. Uh, we'll go to Coops first. Well, it'll be a Ferrari 1-2 again. But Same we'll order? Swap, no, we'll swap it this time. I think Carlos Sainz, he is a very intelligent man, very intelligent racer. He's very much like Rosberg. Rosberg gets beaten by Hamilton the next within the next day. He brushed it off and moved on. And he and he will do that. So I think it'll be that too. And I think that uh, Verstappen will be reminded what a brake check is, and uh, maybe not do it again. Uh, and I think it'll be so it'll be Saints, Leclerc, Verstappen. 
Cara, your turn. I feel like Coops has stolen mine because I'm going to go Ferrari 1-2 and then swap it around. Because I think talking to Alex, I'm like, Carlos has got this. He's got the mindset. <laughs> um, so Carlos, Charles, And then I'm going to be controversial and say Hamilton because, you know, he's manifesting it, as we've said. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it, it did some kind of voodoo doll kind of thing with the, yeah. with the Red Bull car. Uh, Alex, your turn. First, second, third. Uh, well, I will back Carlos for the win because um, I do think he will. I think he'll do something this week that will sort that out. Um, uh, but I am going to throw Max in to P2 and then I'll let Charles have P3. Yeah, it sounds very likely to me. I was I was going to throw Max in there. So that that's, I think Max will come back with a vengeance. I think he'll... I think he'll probably be first. Actually, uh, I'm going to put him. I'm going to put him first. I'm going to put the Ferrari second and third. Um, so I'm going to say Max Verstappen, and I'm going to say sorry, Charles Leclerc, and then I'm going to say Carlos Sainz. Um, What's the payout, James? What are you paying me? Uh, <laughs> I, this is just for fun. This one. <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> well, what I will say is that the Saudi Grand Prix is going to be a very expensive race for a lot of teams. I think we're going to see some yeah. carbon fibre and a few wheels and a few things in the in the in the walls. I think the tech pro barriers will do the job this weekend. Mm. They have made some adjustments on the track um, to try and alleviate it's, some of the. It's not. It's not. They're not track layout. It's. They've moved, they've moved things to do with sightline. They've moved a couple, a couple of barriers, uh, a couple of meters away. Um, yeah. so hopefully, there'll be less kind of going into those barriers at the key turns. I think it was two, three, fourteen, and twenty-one, if from memory. Cars are heavy. The, the new regulations don't like slower and medium corners. It's fast. They still don't quite understand them yet. I think someone's going to be a bit too much trust in a in a car in a corner and uh, you know straight into the barrier. I think there's going to be a couple of that. I think. It'll be exciting. Maybe the mix up, like we were saying earlier about whether Max can keep his head. I wonder whether this mix up of of positions and, you know, the likes of Lando, you know, McLaren and stuff being so far down. I wonder if there will be a, some some human error coming in because mm-hmm. they're not sure how to to navigate this new going off last year's race i think this circuit promotes that sort of thing as well Mm -hmm. so there's a very likely possibility we'll see some Mm -hmm. safety cars and some and there's no um, how much this affects them on on track i don't i i know that they have to not deal with this but there's nothing in the saudi weekend that is sort of that that gives them it's not as pleasurable a place an experience for them Mm. over the weekend you know Mm. so for those of them who, you know, like Carlos loves to have a lovely dinner and, you know, all those sorts of things that are pleasurable things. There's a lot less of that. It's a lot. I think the whole element of the weekend is quite different for them. Just hearing Rupert, how they approach the weekend, it's quite different to the things that they have lined up, the events, the, you know, the games that they can play, the water stuff they can do you know there's a it's a different experience for the drivers off track as well and i think that mm-hmm. does make a difference and let's not forget it this race might not even happen uh, for, uh the f1 is currently looking uh at, at incidents that have happened obviously over in the area um over the past week and the, i mean this is this is scary from a from an employee uh perspective you know that it's a very active area mm-hmm. at the moment for uh you know political reasons 
Yeah. But we, won't, we don't want to get too doom and gloomy here, but hopefully it will happen. Hopefully it'll be golf without a hitch. Um, but, you know, there is still that question mark over it from Formula One. Yeah. So we'll end, uh, we'll end our discussion on, on the Formula One uh, now uh, and we'll move into a quick interview with Alex. Uh, you, thank you very much for coming to speak to us. We just want to speak to you about your, your wonderful career within motorsport and, you know, being a, a, a television presenter as you are. Um, <laughs> what is, what is a career highlight for you? Oh, my God. Uh, Dakar. It was just ah, okay. amazing. It was absolutely amazing being part of that whole setup for 20 it was 21 days the, the the year that i did it um and it was just such an incredible experience and senior won it that year as well so that was great for uh, you know me and for my link with them and stuff mm-hmm. um yeah it's an incredible experience dakar so if you ever ever get the opportunity to get out as a journalist on there then do it Absolutely, yeah, very exciting. So, you, you like the rally? Do you like the rally cars mainly, or obviously you've presented um, the world touring cars for the last eight years yeah. or whatever you said? So, I did WRC for a while. I'm actually not, you know, it's not necessarily that. It's just the whole. I love, uh, for me personally, I love being pushed to my extreme, and mm. every person in that bivouac. There's like two and a half thousand people, drivers, you know. It, every single person there is being pushed to their limit in every way. So you see people at their absolute worst, if you like, and it's very interesting to see how they cope in those, in that environment. Um, And, and so you get a real, you know, like the, the camaraderie between the drivers and, you know, the closeness that you get between everybody is just, it's just like no other paddock if you like it's just brilliant mm-hmm. um yeah it's great that and then pike's peak that was pretty insane um wow you, you've, you've done like i've got i've got a list of all your all, all the things that you've been in obviously because we, we do this research and, and you've, you've you've done a lot of really exciting really interesting things um within your career formula e we're covering quite a lot more of, over uh, on yeah, the okay. one podcast. You, was... you've, you've, you've done a bit of presenting on that as well yeah and that really that really su- it surprised me how much I enjoyed that being a petrol head mm. I went into the weekend um shut your ears for me Lee, but I totally had low expectations you know and I didn't think I would you know, I still think that they whine a bit too much but but I think that what Formula E do really well is the is the the spectacle of it all you know the they 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 make it a very enjoyable weekend for people to be there i was pleasantly surprised by the racing it was closer than i thought it was going to be more you know yeah i mean i i not sure i would particularly enjoy working on it every week you know like mm-hmm. Be careful! I don't completely shoot myself in the foot here, but <laughs> uh, it's not the same as a petrol paddock. You know, it's not the same. Yeah, but I yeah. was pleasantly. I came. I got to the end of the weekend, going. Actually, that was brilliant. They do do it well. Have to you, say, you're probably a lot like me. To be fair, I, I, I am one of these people. I've, I've already really started watching this year because we've got a couple of uh, Formula E, Formula E um, uh, team members that that, that that really like it, are really into it. So I've, I'm kind of watching it this year for the first time properly. I dipped my toes in it previous seasons, um, and I, I, I just can't get over that noise. Um, no. 
uh, I don't know why it is, but you know, as I say, it's exciting racing from the from what I've seen this year. So, you know, I, it's, I've got it's to, better got to in person it. actually than on the on the TV. It all just it sort of because you lose the feeling of it all as well. It looks mm. even slower and a bit meh. Um, but yeah, in person watching, being on the grid and stuff, it's it is good. The cars look good. The drivers are good. Um, oh, they've got world-class drivers, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Car, have you got a question for Alex? Yeah, I just wanted to ask, because obviously, as we've been chatting, you've worked across such a variety of motorsports. How was it you, what was what was your first? How did you get into the industry? My first was um, at McLaren, at the Technology Centre. I was a host. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, while I was at theatre school, I worked for a track day company um, called RMA. They were they are brilliant. And my boss there, Graham Clark, um, I mean, Adrian Newey was one of the members. Um, oh, no, I've, every great that is in our industry, uh, Anthony Reid, you know, all of the old school greats that are in our industry all seem to be members of RMA, either members or instructors, you know? So it was just a, brilliant paddock to be in um Spine schmitz was one of the chief instructors and she in my first year of working with them um i got my national b racing license with her as my instructor like it, it couldn't have been a more like what the hell experience to have to, my first foray into the motorsport world you know um, so over those years that I was working with them, my boss was really, really pivotal in pushing me to learn as much as I possibly could. And he obviously recognized that I, I enjoyed it and I had a, I was like a sponge. I loved the information that I was getting. I loved the vibe. The drivers were brilliant. Um, and obviously being around those sorts of greats, I was learning some really useful things you know that I still use to this day there's still it's still vital nuggets that I learned then and mm-hmm. then a job came up on the um on one of my acting websites looking for a presenter for the McLaren Technology Center um so I messaged my boss just going shall I he was like <laughs> hell yes you know and at that point there really weren't many women female presenters there was sort of Susie Perry Louise Goodman I'd started watching world touring, uh, British touring car. Louise Goodman was a bit of an idol of mine. Um, and that was sort of it, you know, and there weren't many other female presenters. So when I got the job at McLaren, that was just, I mean, it was like six weeks of the most intensive Formula One training I could ever have because my, I mean, I genuinely had, um, I was touring people, Italian, chauvinistic Italians who genuinely said to me, what do you know? You're a girl. So I had to know my shit. You know, I had to be able to come back at people who were, who were going to probe me about my knowledge. So that was the best training I could possibly have ever had. Um, And that was, that was my springboard really, because once I got through that and, and I had to tour Ron Dennis around his own facilities. So that was um, wow. yeah, then I was like, this is brilliant. I loved it. I just loved the industry. Um, and, uh, and my first sort of, I guess, live 
TV thing was for what is now the World Rallycross, but at the time was the European Rallycross, um, okay. which was also amazing. Great, great championship. And yeah, the rest is history. Mm-hmm. And you've done so much since then, obviously. Um, what would you say if uh, you know had a, you had a room full of, of women looking to get into positions similar to yourselves uh, in the industry? What, how would you inspire them? How would you? What would you say that they need, that they needed to do? Um, Firstly, to, to... that being a woman is m- means nothing in this industry. I truly don't believe it does anymore. I, I haven't met a single person um, other than yeah the likes of that Italian. Uh, I'll try not to swear so much. Mm. But <laughs> that doesn't exist as much as people assume it does in this industry. Right. And Cara, I'm sure you would agree. You know, like there's a lot, I think, from an outside perspective, no, there's not many enough women, but there aren't many idiot men. You know, they're, they're not anti they're not anti-women being in this industry. I don't feel no. so being a woman means nothing. Just if you have the passion, then keep going, go for it, you know? Um, and knowledge is key, absolute key. And I think that that's, that's what will keep it an eve a level pegging. You know, you definitely can't come to this woman as uh, this industry as a woman and assume that you're going to be, far, it's going to go great because you're a woman you know right um but you have to you know have the knowledge and keep learning learn from everybody that you meet brilliant coops you got a question for alex yeah well actually it's moving over to your podcast so when i was having a wee research of own you do a podcast for the guys listening called mindset unfiltered mm. and you've been doing that for a lot longer than we've been doing it so it's been a couple of years. And one that I wanted to pick out was Ivan Muller because yeah. I well, I used to follow British Touring Cars when he raced. Yeah. It was the Audi team he raced for uh, back in the day. What was it like? What was it like meeting him? Because oh. I know he's not Formula One, but he's a racer. And Oh, my uh, God, he's just amazing. Ivan, now I would consider to be a quite a good friend. So all through lockdown, I taught his daughter yoga. Um, and his and his wife actually, and in fact, once a week on a Thursday afternoon, Ivan would almost always join our family yoga class as well. So it would be <laughs> him, his, Justine, <laughs> and this and Tia, and I would have the three of them climbing on each other, doing all sorts of different things and stuff. So I'm I've now I now see them from a completely different angle. You know, mm. he is an absolute legend in every way. But at the very beginning, one of the most intimidating people I've ever come across. And in fact, I think it was, yes, it was. The, my first race with World Touring Car was in Morocco in 2014. And that weekend we had Miss France also presenting for French TV, you know. And there is, I don't know if it's still online, but there was a very, it, it shot to fame very quickly. Um certainly in France, she went up to Ivan after his race and said something along the lines of, um, you did a terrible drive or something in that. And I mean, there are very few drivers that you can get away with saying that too, right? Mm. But if you say it to Ivan, holy crap. So I think that he (laughs) completely shot her down and, and 
basically like shoved her out the way and said, what do you know? You're just a beauty queen or something, a beauty princess or something. It was really, it was really like totally dismissive. And, and that was it. He was like, not in, I'm not talking to her at, again so when i saw <laughs> that blame him really no <laughs> when i saw that i was like oh no god that's you know it, it upset her it shot her down and it was in embarrassed her it she she shouldn't have said it obviously but yeah it definitely made me go right okay i need to make sure i play this one right um so yeah it's just it's been a bit of trial and error over the years that's for sure but certainly the last it's taken it probably took four years to um to navigate him. Um, but yeah, the last four years. Um, good friends. I have. Yeah, we are good friends. And he is just so cool. Mm. He's so talented. He's such a good driver. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember watching him back and I think I've just double checked, but you know, it was 2003 that he won the British Touring Cars. And I mean, the way that he flung that car around oh. those tracks uh, and nobody could touch him. Yeah. Uh, no. But yeah, he is. He was a bit, and that, that's one of the reasons why I brought him up because he just, even back then in 2003, I'm watching going, oh, he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> he's but he's like, cool. what is he, 10 times ice driving champion? You know, oh, so he's, he's, he can just... do whatever he wants with a car and he'll <laughs> nail it. Oh, and his nephew, of... like, um, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, like good. Jan, who won the World Touring Car last year, is they are cut from the same cloth, you know? He is he, Jan is like one to watch for sure. I'm going to bring you back to I'm going to bring you back to your career now though. Uh, have you like like that lady uh, that you're speaking about uh, um, uh, just a moment ago? Have you ever put your foot in your mouth uh, and said the wrong thing <laughs> while on, t- while on TV? Any 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 massive errors that you maybe thought? Oh, you know what? I really shouldn't have said that. From my perspective, no, not really. But I'm sure <laughs> oh, that's, are, good. that's not no, a that's true good. story. <laughs> <laughs> I've had um I've definitely had um a lot of moments where I I mean probably most of my time on screen in WRC would have been shocking. You know, I'm not I I never ever at any point said I know my stuff when it comes to rally. So it was just a horrendously hard position to be presenting something where mm-hmm. you know rally fans are die hard rally fans i think more than f1 even you know um and and it was like being thrown to a pack of wolves so i think that almost everything that came out of my mouth i probably afterwards thought yeah i really hope no one ever watches that again <laughs> <laughs> so conversely then is there any interview or you know think you've been really proud of um, actually, Ivan's retirement interview, even though he didn't retire in the end, that was a really nice, that was a really enjoyable, humbling, emotional interview that he and I had. Mm. Um, yeah, that I that I do feel, yeah, was just a very enjoyable experience. Um, Have you got a favourite series? I know you said about Dakar, but is there one that you're always like, yes. Uh, I'll do that job. Sign me up. Um, Honestly, World Touring Car. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I know that it's not, it doesn't have the same passionate fans as obviously Formula One um, or even British Touring Car, but it is just a brilliant paddock. And there isn't one person who doesn't spend time in that paddock um, that doesn't leave going, 
I've never been somewhere where I feel like it's more like a family. Um, and you truly don't get that same sensation in other paddocks. I really don't have the same vibe, which is why I've stayed for so long. Yeah. No, I'd live not far from Donington Park and they have loads that passes through there. And I'm always like, open up your mind, you know, Formula One's, I was about to say it's the first drug and then you go into everything else. But um, yeah, like you say, it's just more a completely different. Yeah. yeah, completely different. And yeah, the, the racing is really close and really good in touring car. Um, yeah, but it's a completely different vibe. I'll take the recommendation. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> But come to world. Don't worry about Britain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so looking towards uh, the Formula One again. Sorry to bring it back to Formula One because we are a Formula One podcast, obviously. Who mm. do you think will win this year? I know it's, we, we, it's very early, so it's very difficult oh, to tell, obviously, with the cars not necessarily performing where they should be. But who would, if you had a bookmaker in front of you right now uh, and five English pounds, who would you put that money on if you had to? Oh, God. <laughs> I really hope they're not listening, but I'm going to say Charles. Ooh. But I really hope Rupert doesn't listen. And Carlos. <laughs> Sorry, boy. Coops, have you got any more questions for Alex before we go, before we wrap up for the day? Yeah, well, I mean, for anyone out there who's looking to kind of better themselves physically and mentally, what's the benefit of yoga? Oh, um, there are loads. I think that's probably one of the biggest benefit that the world of yoga and meditation and mindfulness, that, that thing that, that doing that does is brings you into the present moment and, um, and forces you to stop. It forces you to do a bit of self-care mentally as well as physically forces you to breathe and yeah, just brings you back into this here and now rather than all of this chatter that's going on everywhere and you know particularly at the moment with the world and and how tough we've had it over the last few years I think it's really important to just come back check in with yourself and um, yeah I would say that yoga does that it forces you to sync your breath with your movement um, and focuses on we know scientifically that slowing your breathing is going to slow your fight flight system. We know it's going to slow down your, your, you know, your reactions, your angst. Um, we just don't normally give ourselves that time to just go. I can imagine you've been a very good yoga teacher. Cause I just, just listening to your voice then when you described it, that was, was actually really peaceful and really kind of like, <laughs> I, I felt Zen at the end. I'm going to take you through a no, guided meditation good. to finish the everything. To finish the F1 podcast. Yeah, that was, that was really, really nice. I was like, you know, I could, I could listen to this mm -hmm. for hours. <laughs> mm. uh, I, can, I do yoga every morning. Well, I have been recently, but I'm not very good well at done. keeping out the noise. So I'm like, oh, that's a, a bit more of what I need. We'll see so many, so many nuggets of wisdom from Alex just from all different places. <laughs> I mean, it's just just jack of all trades. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's interesting because, I mean, I've, mentioned it on the page before you know i've had my issues with depression in the past and i think that's an important thing to talk about because us guys don't usually get that platform yeah I and, and i'm now i mean i'm turning 40 this year and only in the last few years i've started to think you know what no mindfulness yoga pilates whatever mm. something i do try because my problem is my head goes too fast 
mm-hmm. and it doesn't shut down. So I do try and take a minute. I can feel it now. Before, but I would try and fight it. And it's yeah. important that I start. And that's why I brought up the yoga thing because I, yeah. I, I was looking and seeing, you know, who you were and what you did. And I think it is important that people of any gender take that step and see the signs and talk yeah. to people. And uh, look after themselves mentally. Yeah. Well, yeah. As well as physically. Yeah, I completely agree. Message me after James now. I will teach you yoga. And I'll... I'd love it. I'd love that. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, that has been the Everything F1 podcast today. Um, As always, you can follow us on all social media platforms. We would absolutely love it if you did. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and we've got a TikTok. You can also find us on our website, www.everythingf1.com. And of course, hit the subscribe button on this podcast right now. Alex, is there anything you'd like to promote? Would you like to promote your podcast more? Would you like to promote your socials? Yes. What, what would you like to do? Go for it. Mindset Unfiltered Podcast. Head over there ASAP and Alki Legui uh, on Instagram. But I'll let James tell you how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Just tag me. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll be tagged on all, all social platforms yourself. And, uh, and of course, that means our fans can find you just simply by clicking the tags as well. So you'll be tagged in the podcast too. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for my team, Coops and Cara, for coming to speak to me today. Thank you both, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much again to Alex for chatting us to us today. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. This has been the Everything Everyone podcast. We will speak to you next week where we review the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.